Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, This one is called Culture Shock, Life in London. Recently, I've been doing episodes about Culture Shock. Um, If you've listened to recent episodes, you will have heard me talking to Gabby and Lindsay from All Ears English about general culture shock experiences that we've had. Uh, I've also done an episode called Culture Shock, um, the four stages in which I go through some details about ways in which culture shock affect people. Um, And now I'm doing one called Culture Shock Life in London. So what's this all about? Well, this episode is all about common complaints made by foreign students living in London. Um, It's common to experience some level of culture shock when you're dealing with the realities of living in the capital city as a foreign visitor. So in this episode, I'll try and clarify some of the confusions and frustrations related to everyday life in London from the point of view of people who just you know weren't born there or who are visiting the city uh, for a sort of fairly short period of time or people who are basically new not just to London but to the UK in general. Um, You know that I lived in London for many years and while working there as an English teacher I heard a lot of complaints from foreign students. I also heard plenty of nice comments, of course, but in this episode I'd like to focus on the complaints in order to try and explain or demystify them. Fair enough, some of the complaints are valid, but often they are just the result of those students or visitors experiencing culture shock related to living in an environment that was not normal for them or for which the cause was not obvious. Um, It's important to try and find reasons for cultural uh, phenomena that you don't understand because it prevents you from coming to false conclusions about that place. I don't want people just assuming that the English are strange I mean, we are a bit strange, of course, just like anyone, but a lot of the things that we do are really quite normal when you see it from our point of view. So what are those common complaints that I'm talking about? And what are the reasons for these strange and annoying aspects to English life? Uh, Perhaps the Londoners have got it all wrong and they do things in the wrong way, or perhaps the foreign visitors just don't see the whole picture. Listen to this episode to find out more, okay? What am I talking about? What kinds of things will I be talking about? Well, imagine if you've come to live in London, maybe you actually have, but imagine you come and live in London and obviously it's great because you're in London, it's one of the, you know, most exciting cities in the world, but after a little while you start to realise there are certain things that you don't understand or certain things that you find weird or annoying and uh, inconvenient. Um, You might perhaps have an English class that you go to every day and who are you going to talk to about these issues you're going to talk to your English teacher you might say excuse me can you just before we start I've got a question why do you have two taps in the bathroom and the teacher who's probably me would be like oh great this question again Um, 
and then there's a whole it's it sometimes in my classes that question end, uh, ended up involving a long discussion with the students uh, posing all sorts of different theories and some students getting a bit angry and annoyed about english culture and some people concluding that uh, the english are just weird and uh, other people making fun of the situation and so on that's just one of many different examples there's the two taps in the bathroom there's the uh, weather the food all kinds of things that seem to mystify some visitors to the uk that's what i'd like to explore in this uh, podcast episode so um let me just tell you in a bit more detail what you can expect in this episode um, in fact, there's so much to say on this subject that I expect it will be divided into two episodes, but we'll see how we go. Uh, so first, you'll hear some short interviews with colleagues, with my colleagues in London, in which we discuss some of those common complaints from students. Um, I'm going to give you a list of uh, some of the most common things I heard students um, kind of complaining about. Um, um, I'll give you that list and then you'll hear um, some interviews with my colleagues in London. Um, I, wanted to I wanted to find out if my colleagues could actually explain some of the weird or annoying things about life in London. And you can hear our responses in this episode. Some expressions and phrases from that recording are written on the webpage, which of course is now teacherluke.co.uk. Um, then you'll hear my responses to those complaints and some explanations. I'll try and explain the reasons for these particular aspects of London life as well as I can, and I'll decide if the complaint is fair or not, because in some cases the complaint might be completely justified, and in fact um, I can't think of a, a good reason why um, these things happen. Um, so in some cases the complaint will be justified. Um, of course it's not all negative, I'm talking about student complaints, but of course the students don't complain that much. Um, but uh, as an English teacher, when you meet so many students, uh, you know, day after day after day, of course you start to notice certain complaints or certain comments tend to come up time and time again. Um, but it's not all negative. The cup is usually half full. Of course, foreign students in London have plenty of great things to say about the place. Certainly there are more positive things than negative. But I find that when students have lived in London for a little while, they start to come uh, face to face with the realities of living there. And then they start to develop little gripes. A gripe is a, a complaint, basically. So they might start to develop little gripes uh, and complaints that they can moan about sometimes. Um, and uh, these things will confuse and frustrate them. So let me try and clarify now, okay? Let me try and uh, put you in the picture and kind of give you a bit of background information and try and clarify the reasons behind these strange things. Um, so let's start. The complaints about life in London commonly said by students of English. I'm now going to tell you a list of some of the typical complaints made by foreign students studying in London and some um, I'll give you some notes relating to my responses that you can hear in this audio episode. You might find some of the complaints a bit bizarre and that's normal. I found some of them really bizarre when I first heard them. But you have to remember that the people who said these things came from countries in which the situation is quite different. Um, they're, they're all completely true, all completely true complaints that I heard regularly, and they're very common comments as well. After each complaint, I'll judge the complaint as reasonable or not reasonable, 
and then I will either reject or accept the complaint. So I'm kind of not only explaining, but I'm judging the complaints too. Some of them will be accepted, and I'll say, yes, complaint accepted, you're right. And in some cases, I'll reject the complaint and say, well, I'm afraid that's not really reasonable complaint to make, and these are the reasons why, okay? If you don't agree with any of the decisions that I make, then um, leave a comment explaining why. I'm very happy to hear from you. Uh, while I'm recording this, I've got two things with me. Um, I've got a cup of tea here, just to kind of give me the power that I need to uh, provide me with energy to get me through this episode. And also, for some reason, I've got my guitar. Just in case things get a little bit too um, serious, I can just play the guitar a little bit and it's going to lighten the mood. You see? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do that at all, but we'll just see. I've got the option there. I've got a cup of tea to help me, and I've got my guitar. Okay? All right, fine. You're okay with that? I hope you're okay with that, but you've got no choice because um, there's not really anything you can do about it at this point. Okay, let me just really quickly fly through the list of complaints so you know what you're going to get. Okay? And then I'll go into more detail. So here are, here's a selection of some things that uh, some of my students might have said to me in the past. First, number one, why do you have a separate hot tap and separate cold tap? I'm always scolding my hands. Number two, why don't you have electrical sockets in the bathroom? How am I supposed to dry my hair after I've had a shower and look in the mirror at the same time? Number three, the food is so plain and unhealthy. What's going on? Number four, the weather is miserable. It's always raining. Number five, why on earth do you drive on the left? Why don't you drive on the right like everyone else? It's like you have to do everything differently in this country. Number six, the trains are always late. And when they do arrive, they're full and I can't get on. Number seven, why are there so many foreigners here? I haven't met a real English person yet. Number eight, it's too expensive. Number nine, the beer is warm. The beer is warm. This is ridiculous. Number 10, the houses are old and drafty. It's too cold. Number 11, the people are so reserved. They don't talk to each other on the train. How do I make friends with people? Number 12, why don't people carry umbrellas even when it's raining? Number 13, the internet is so slow here. It's rubbish. Number 14, you just don't make any effort to speak other languages here. It's just English, 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 and that's it. Number 15. Why, oh why, oh why, do the pubs close at 11pm? I'm just getting ready to go out at 11 o'clock and everything closes. What the hell is going on? Number 16. English people just aren't civilised. They go to the pub and they drink and drink and drink, standing up without eating anything. It's ridiculous. Number 17. Cigarettes in this country are ridiculously expensive. What the hell's going on? Number 18. People speak really fast here and they don't try and help me to understand. How am I supposed to learn the language? I don't understand what's going on. Number 19. When English people do the washing up, they use too much soap and then they don't rinse the soap off when they've finished. That's like leaving poison on your plates. You don't know how to do the washing up properly. It's unhygienic and it's unhealthy. Number 20, you don't have carpet. Uh, you, right, hold on. Number 20, you have carpet everywhere. There's carpet every. What is this, carpet land? There's carpet on the floor everywhere, even in the toilet sometimes. 
How do you live like this? Number 21, they don't take, you don't take your shoes off when you enter a house. It's disgusting. It's unhygienic. It's dirty. And number 22, the British have a strange sense of humour. Right. There you go. Obviously, I've made it sound a bit more dramatic and passionate. When I heard complaints from students, they weren't that angry. Not usually. Sometimes they were, but uh, most of the time they were fairly reasonable sounding. But um, I, th- these questions were asked to me as a general representative of the UK as a whole. Um, and so I had to try and answer them, even though it's not necessarily my job, because I'm there to um, deal with you know the English but I suppose culture is is part of it and I'm always very very glad to talk about um, my culture and try and clarify things what I'm going to play for you now is some short interviews that I did with uh, some of my colleagues in the teachers room in the school that I used to work in um, in London so I'd like you to imagine that you're now a fly on the wall in the teacher's room. You know what that means? If you're a fly on the wall, it means that you're kind of, you're in a room observing without uh, other people being able to see you. It's like you're a fly, you know, and you've landed on the wall. No one knows that you're there, but you're watching. So we use this expression, a fly on the wall. For example, a fly on the wall documentary. That's a documentary in which the uh, camera is um, not very invasive in the action and it manages to observe what people are doing, a fly on the wall. So imagine that you are a fly on the wall in the teacher's room. So as a student, somehow you've managed to infiltrate the teacher's room at your school and you're listening to your teachers talking about the students and their complaints. All right. Um, Now, Uh, Going back to the list I just went through, I will explain all that stuff in due course. I will go through it all. And if there were things that you didn't quite catch or didn't understand, um, I will explain it. You can also read that list on the website, teacherluke.co.uk. Find the uh, post for this episode. Um, All right. So as you listen to these conversations, try and identify which things we're talking about. Which of those complaints do we deal with in in these conversations? Uh, Okay. This is going to last probably about 10 minutes minutes probably about 10 minutes of conversation i recorded this a while ago a few years ago in fact and i did it on a tape recorder that's right um this is actually before i was doing luke's english podcast i made this recording um, on a tape machine so that's right the sound quality will not be digital crystal clear quality it's going to sound a bit sort of um what's the word it's going to sound a bit tinny and i think there's a slightly annoying clicking sound because the tape machine just went click 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 like that sorry that's just the way it is but you know you have to get used to listening to uh things um in different types of uh, uh in you have to get used to listening to things at different levels of quality i think so it'll be good practice for your ear okay right let's start imagine you're a fly on the wall in the teacher's room and let's go starting now now what now now one 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 um hello claudia hi how are you all right thanks how are you doing good right so um you know this you know the students yeah they're always sort of like complaining about stuff yeah i know um well like i've i've come up with this list of things that they sometimes complain about right uh, i know they don't always complain you know no. a lot of them like it a lot they love yeah. it don't they? but i think everyone do. likes to complain sometimes yeah um yeah we're recording it now. Um, so, so like one of the, one of the things that they seem to complain about is this thing about the the hot taps, the hot yeah. and cold tap. Yeah, yeah. 
What do you What do you reckon? I mean, like, why? I don't know. I, I kind of never really thought about that. I've just always been used to it. Um, I think we've had a new bathroom put in, and now I think they've started doing the merging one. I suppose it is better, but maybe in the olden days people used to fill a sink more, yeah. like to save water. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's so. It didn't really matter. So you could just put like as much bottom gold you want. So is it? I mean, like, do you think it's actually? more environmentally friendly maybe to, to do it our way maybe it used to be I don't yeah. know about that and also like sometimes when you're washing hands you just want cold water you do maybe, yeah maybe yeah. they didn't used to always have hot water on, on tap yeah and uh, so it's then like the sinks like originally just had one tap yeah so you could tap. always have cold and then you maybe have to wait for the hot to warm up or something or, or maybe like first of all if you imagine you had your, you have your sink yeah right, in your house it's just yeah. got one tap which is the cold tap yeah and then to put hot water in it you've got to like fill a, a, yeah. a kettle full yeah. of hot water or no probably a saucepan if we're talking yeah. back in the day and then and then later on when hot taps were invented they just added them they, in they added them yeah. so then you get like a cold tap and a hot tap and have just warm. yeah and people were happy with that probably. yeah i mean yeah it's probably a revelation yeah it's only now that that, that uh, all these foreigners are coming yeah. over telling us how to uh, have our taps organized teach us about plumbing <laughs> actually it probably goes back to the plumbing system as well maybe they just had a cold pipe originally and right you know, people didn't used to have running water, so those students should really count themselves lucky. Yeah, yeah, they should, shouldn't they? Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. No worries. Okay. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Hi, Naz. Hi. Were you Hi. Were, were you listening to that conversation? That Not just really. Had? Sorry. Well, I, I'm talking about things that uh, students complain about. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you know a lot of the students really love England and they love everything about it and all that sort of thing. But yeah. we do have a few students who complain about things. I've noticed they yes. complain about the same things, right? Definitely. So. Um, like, for example, let's see, I've made a list here. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, I, I, I've had students ex complaining about the internet, and they say the yeah. internet connection's not very good here. Everywhere they go, the connection's rubbish. Like, what, I don't think that's you, true. No? I think it just depends where you are, I suppose. Um, yeah. And the type of whatever they call it. Connect. Connection. No, connection. the server. The server, that's right. You mean the, the internet service provider? Yes, perhaps. that's right. ISP. Yeah, you probably know more about it than me. Not really. Um, so, what do you think? It's do you think it's uh, they're justified in saying that the internet is slow in England? No, I think that's the same wherever you go. Okay. I don't know. What, what do you think? When I've been abroad, it hasn't been any better. Well, perhaps they just uh, they've just been to internet cafe, like cheap internet cafes in Shepherd's Bush mm -hmm. or or stuff like that, which means that the only experience they've had is that the internet's slow. But what about the school? The one upstairs, oh, I don't that's, know, I don't that's, some of them can be quite slow, actually. Yeah. yeah, I suppose when everyone's up there, all the students are up there together, like surfing the internet at the same time, yeah, it, it does down. kind of slow the, the, the connection down, doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, another one is that, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, why do we drive on the left? <laughs> oh, no. Didn't we invent driving? Did we? Uh, yeah, didn't we? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, no, God, am I, I wrong? Really, am I, am I really being arrogant? Did the English invent cars? Well, I thought it was America. I thought it was, I thought it was the Americans. Yeah, I thought it was the Americans. The Americans okay. invented the the uh, they they invented the production of cars. Yeah. They invented. Yeah, we probably invented it. I think we invented cars, so we <laughs> I'm can. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Surely we we get to <laughs> That's choose. That's arrogant. We can it, choose that? which side of the road we drive on because we invented driving. <laughs> Am, yeah, I being, am I no, being? No, I, I tend to agree with them. I think, why do really? we do everything? I'm not being, I'm being arrogant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, no, I can understand that, and it's quite hard, 
actually it's weird for me when I go um, abroad and I try to cross the road I keep looking in the, the wrong way yeah you basically. might get run over exactly because we've got that weird mentality yeah we're stupid aren't we <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks Naz ok Julia Julia can, can, I, can I interview you briefly I'm really sorry I'm no, just come here come here right come here can, can I talk sorry. to you about something quickly no I'm sorry look really I have to dash ok alright you don't want to talk to me do you ok Steve Steve, all right. All right, mate. How uh, you doing? All right. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Good. Do you know what we're talking about? I have no idea what you talked about. Um, we're talking about uh, the students, of course. Okay. And they, you know, they're always griping and always moaning always all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Bye. Uh, well, th th okay. They're not really. They don't moan that much, of course. They, they, to be honest, they do like England a lot. Otherwise, they wouldn't come here, of course. It's the little things, isn't it? It's little things. Yeah. Yeah. So I've made a list here of things that they kind of they get irritated by. Oh yeah, one thing is I had a student once who who was really incensed about her host uh -huh. family. And she was so mad about her host family because of the way they did the washing up. Really? Right? And and she was really she couldn't believe it because uh, they what they did was that they uh, they now tell me if this is weird uh -huh. or not or not, right? Yeah. They um, filled up the sink with hot water, yeah. then they put washing up liquid in it, yeah. then they put the dishes in and they washed the dishes with all the bubbles and stuff, right. and then they took the dishes out uh -huh. and they put them to, to sort of to dry right. uh, on the side. Yeah. Now, my student couldn't believe this. Right. Well, that, that, that could have been my house, that could have been me. Really? Doing <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. can you imagine what, why she would think that was strange? How else would you do it? Sorry. Naz? You have not put them in the bowl, you have to kind of soak them and then rinse them individually. Well, I didn't catch that, so You have to soak them all individually and then rinse them. Rinse soak them, them individually yeah. first, yeah. then rinse them. Yeah. Why would you want to rinse That's them? That's horrible, it's got soap left on, it's got the residue. Yeah, but look, you can never taste it. Oh no, no, and then you're just drying it on, no. I totally agree with that. So can I just clarify what, what, what we're talking about? The, 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 a lot of people in England uh, will leave a lot of bubbles on their plates when yeah. they mm. put them out to dry. I do. And that's disgusting, is it? Yeah, for me that's disgusting, because I think you expect it should just drain off, but I think it's left around the rinse. Okay, so we should rinse them all individually, under. <laughs> yeah. Just and like my friend, my flatmate used to do that, I used to rinse them all again. Well, how it do you, take ages. How do you rinse them, though? Yeah. You have to put them under running water. Run them under the tap, yeah, sort of so thing? Yeah, so the soap's completely on. Well, okay, that's luckily I've got a dishwasher now, so... Okay, that's, the, that's the answer, isn't, that it? Is, isn't it? Okay, thank you very much, Steve. Um, Andy, right, all right, mate. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, I'm talking about things that students have complained to me about in the past, right? Now, I'm not saying that students moan a lot, much, but, um, you know, these are some of the things that they have complained to me about in the past, and I've heard these time and time again, right? So, do any of these sort of make sense to you? What about number two? Um, why don't you have electrical sockets in the bathroom? Is that, have you ever heard that? Well, no, it's kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It's dangerous if you have electrical sockets in the bathroom. Okay. That's why you don't have them. So you think that we shouldn't have them in the bathroom? No. no a lot of students. I, I had a group of students once who couldn't believe it because mm. they, like, the the women in the group, didn't understand how they had to, but how they had to when they dried their hair with a hairdryer, they had to go into the bedroom and do it in front of a mirror in the bedroom. They couldn't do it in the bathroom, and that that for some reason was made them really angry. <laughs> so uh, do, do they have electrical sockets in the bathroom in there? Yeah, apparently, yeah. I think 
I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's a much drier climate. I guess if you're in the hotter countries, then, yeah. you know, your bathroom will stay dry. But right. often British bathrooms are very damp, so you don't want to have electricity there. Yeah. I think this one's quite um, true. You just don't make any effort to speak other languages here. It's just English and that's it. Yeah. I've heard that a lot, but then I think a lot of English people are lazy when it comes to learning foreign languages. Yeah, it's true. Because they don't really need to. Yeah. They don't need to. They can go anywhere and they expect people to speak English. And so would you say that's arrogance or, or is that just the f just because we, we just don't have any call for, for other languages? I don't think it's arrogance. I think it's there's, there's, no, there's no real need to do it because the only reason a lot of English people learn languages is for, is for pleasure right. or for fun. And as a hobby or something. Yeah, learning languages isn't really fun at all. Isn't it? I don't think so. What, learning English isn't fun? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, apart from English, it's not, it's not. Learning languages isn't fun. Okay. But you know, you go to other countries and you travel around and people always are able to speak English. And not only that, they quite often want to speak English. Really. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's probably true. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Okay, so there you heard me talking to some of my former colleagues and friends, not former friends, they're still my friends, but uh, former colleagues, because I don't work with all of them anymore. Um, not at the moment anyway. Right, so we dealt with some of the issues there. Um, now, you, I realised that you might not have understood everything being said there because the speaking was a little bit fast and because the tape was not of perfect quality. Um, some of the phrases used you can find on the website teacherluke.co.uk um, but um, I also would like to invite uh, listeners to uh, write uh, transcripts for this episode. Uh, I'll open a document on uh, google documents so you can start doing that and then eventually you may be able to find uh, transcribed versions of all of this um now so who did i talk to all right let me just kind of clarify that i spoke to claudia naz julia very briefly naz and steve and andy and we talked about uh, i think we talked about the the two taps in the bathroom situation we talked about electricity in the bathroom we talked about english people learning languages uh, we talked about the internet connections uh, we talked about uh, why we drive on the left um let's see um we talked about um a lot a few other things um what else did we talk about um doing the washing up um as well so those are things that we talked about let me now go through all of it in 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 a bit more detail let me try and explain stuff for you as i said hopefully i'll cover all of this in this episode but uh, it might take a bit longer we will see i might have to divide it into two episodes but i'll do as much as i can now right let's begin with the first one why do you have separate hot tap and why do you have a separate hot tap and a separate cold tap? I'm always scolding my hands. Now, if you are new to this um, question, then I'd be very surprised because if you've listened to episodes of Luke's English Podcast be before, you'll know this is a bit of a sticking point for me. Okay, so you know that there's, uh, um, in England we have two faucets, a hot, uh, a hot tap and a cold tap, whereas in most other countries it seems that you have one um, mixer tap, a single tap where the water comes out both hot and cold and is controlled by a, one single tap on the top. Um, all right. Now, actually, um, before I try and explain this on my own, I think it's probably worth playing you another recording. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to play you a recording that I did uh, with uh, a woman called Karen Robbins, uh, Karen Robertson. She interviewed me last year. Um, last year, Karen contacted me after reading a blog post which I'd written on the subject of uh, two taps in the bathroom on the London School of English blog. She lives in London, but she's originally from South Africa. And when she contacted me, she was studying a master's degree in digital journalism at London's Goldsmith University. Um, and she was doing a video project on foreign students' reactions to London's plumbing system. So this is just a student project she was doing for her journalism course. And the subject that she, she chose to cover in this project was the issue of two taps in the bathroom and students' reactions to this issue. Um, she wanted to interview me for the project. And so we, um, we did an interview over Skype and I recorded the interview. And I've been waiting for an opportunity to um, let you listen to the conversation on an episode of the podcast and this is my chance finally i've been able to use this recording karen has researched the issue quite a lot and is able to give some pretty good reasons for the two taps in the bathroom mystery um karen has given me full permission to include this interview on the podcast so now you can listen to my conversation with uh, between me and karen robertson from goldsmiths university talking about the whole two taps in the bathroom issue uh, when karen uh, it called me on skype i remember it was early in the morning so i feel it i i sound a little bit groggy you can hear me kind of like uh, sort of sound like i'm still half asleep um i hadn't had any coffee at that point anyway now listen you can now listen to me speaking to karen robertson about two taps in the bathroom here we go so Firstly, Luke, could you explain briefly what, what foreign students find so strange about the UK plumbing system in, in your experience? <clears throat> um, yeah, they, um, there's a few things that they find strange about it. Um, first of all, they, they, obviously they're surprised when they see a bathroom which has two taps, because in, in many other countries, um, that's just, they don't, they don't have taps like that, they have mixer taps. Yep. Uh, which kind of, um, you know, combine both the hot and cold in one stream with one tap, you know, sure. to control it. Um, so, first of all, they look at it and they think, what's what's going on here? This, this looks weird. Yeah. Um, then, when it comes to actually using it, um, they, they, they just don't really know how to mix hot and cold. Now, obviously, this doesn't apply to all uh, the students that I've had in the UK, and it doesn't apply to every household in the UK, but it's, it's been something that people mention to me enough, with enough uh, you know, regularity, for, yeah. me to, for me personally to become quite obsessed by it too. <laughs> my, my friends don't understand. My friends in the UK just have got no idea. Whenever I bring this up, they, they don't understand what I'm talking about. And I, I say things like, why do we have two taps in the bathroom? And they say things like, well, one for hot and one for cold. You know, they yeah. kind of don't, they don't uh, see the problem. But yes, the students, they don't know how to mix the hot and cold. Yeah. Um, and what are they, what about the, if you suggest to them that they could put a plug in the basin? I mean, I suppose yeah. the, the problem is the students that I've chatted to, it's okay if it's in their house and they put a plug in and mix it in their basin. Yeah. That's, that's fine. But when yeah. you get into a public space, mm. don't really want to do that. Yeah, because they, they say it's unhygienic mm. um, because you never know, um, you know, who has just used that, that sink. Yeah. And they never know quite 
what they did in that sink. So, for example, if someone has just um, brushed their teeth in the sink and then spat into the yeah. into the sink, then there may be some you know some spit in the bowl, yeah. and they feel that they would rather they they feel like they have to clean the bowl first before they fill it with water, which they're going to use to wash their faces. So they think yeah. that the the somehow the basin or the bowl is an unhygienic place and they don't want any contact with it at all um so um yeah that you know they think that it's it's just unhygienic to wash in the sink they also sometimes say that um the taps themselves are not quite long enough that when you know when there's two taps usually they're quite sort of stubby in size and so um if you want to put your hands under the taps to wash, you know, directly under the taps, that they're too close to the basin, and that's unhygienic as well. Right. Okay, so there's, like, the possibility of contact between (laughs) the hand and the basin, and that is just unacceptable. Yeah. Because that's how you catch the plague, you know, in their minds. (laughs) Um, And um, what else? They they also complain about scalding their hands, so burning their hands with the hot water. So what happens is... What, what often they have to do is they turn on both taps and they kind of have to move their hands between the two. They do a dance. They do like a little, I don't know, some sort of Gangnam style <laughs> hand washing kind of Macarena kind of thing. Yeah. That could be quite a good, um, a good dance to, to create, actually. <laughs> I think someone needs to make a viral video uh, with that dance in it. Chance. Yeah, it could be huge. <laughs> Um, and uh, so they have to do this little dance where they move their hands between the hot and cold taps, um, you know, and they think that they feel ridiculous when they're doing that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's it. They, you know, they just don't know how to mix the hot and cold, scold their hands, unhygienic to wash in the sink, and the taps aren't quite long enough, so that's also unhygienic. And combined, uh, those things combined with the sort of general lack of electrical sockets in the bathroom right. some some of them have a socket for a shaver the yeah. mirror but generally there there aren't electrical sockets in the bathroom and things like the quality of the windows which are often sort of very old and, and made of wood and let in a kind of draft these right. are the, these are the um old victorian windows that in london for example are considered to be really desirable to have in your property if you're looking for if you're going to buy a house in london and it's got old victorian sash windows that's a really good point yeah. but um for for many sort of visitors to the uk from other countries the students that i've taught they see these old windows and they think why do the english insist on keeping windows from the victorian era you know sure. they 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 want to have sort of modern efficient windows so uh, so do you think it is on a on a sort of scale of of one to ten? What is the is this? A, are we talking? Um, does the issue cause bemusement, consternation, <clears throat> or, or anger? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, that's a good. That's a very good question, because for me, it the, it doesn't cause them enough amusement. Mm. I wish that I wish that they had. I wish that they took this whole situation with much more of a sense of humour because for me I think it's a funny subject but maybe that's just because I'm English and I don't quite see what the problem is really I mean I can understand that it's different I can understand their criticisms but at the same time it's sort of trivial enough for it to be the subject of 
a joke really it's not it's not exactly. really serious but unfortunately in many cases when i've spoken to this with students uh, spoken about this with students they um they they don't really you know find it funny and and they they get a bit angry yeah so most of the time it's it, it's the middle category i can't remember what you said consternation consternation most of the time just this is a bit annoying and yeah. can you explain why this happens please luke yeah. As the as a representative of the UK, you, you you have to explain and justify all of the weird aspects of your culture. That's the kind of often that's the 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 atmosphere. But then occasionally there there is a sense of anger, and and I I feel a bit disappointed by that because I don't think it's necessary really to get angry about something like this because as we as we know. Uh, when you go to another country, um, there are always things that are slightly different. You know, there are just yeah. there, there are plenty of things that are different. And as an international person, you just accept that they're different, and that there are probably good reasons for it. So I always try and teach my students to have the attitude of it's not weird; it's just different. Different, yeah. exactly. So I wonder if it's maybe also the fact that they come to the UK expecting this sort of super slick first world um, environment mm. where you would just imagine everything would be modernized and you wouldn't have to think twice about that. Yeah. And so um, it's different, but it's also bizarre to them because, yeah, yeah they just weren't expecting this, this level of decrepitude. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. I think, um, yeah, you're, you're right. Um, London is kind of famous for being a very uh, modern place um, it's kind of one of the financial cultural capitals of the world and so people coming here would expect everything to be all brand new and, and so on but there's a slight contradiction in London because although we're very progressive in some ways um, we're also very traditional in other ways and we value um, traditional things so I, I've never really been able to fully explain why we we have two taps in our bathrooms but one of the explanations I give sometimes is that um, we do value tradition, actually. And certain things, we, we, you know, we quite like seeing two taps in the bathroom, or yeah. we think it's normal, maybe because um, the, you know, we like a slightly traditional style because um, really Britain was at its best um, in the past. Yeah. That's... That well, may actually, be I, what I've discovered is um, I've, I managed to track down a, an expert in yeah. UK's plumbing system, and he's offered a, a different explanation. I did ask him about the aesthetics of it, and he said, no, that's that's not really it at all. He said, um, essentially what it comes down to, it's, mm. it's, it's a matter of history, obviously, and um, when when plumbing was first introduced, it was actually to get um, drinking water mm. um, in. So it was going to be um, it was always going to be cold. Yeah. Then if, when when it was decided that people would actually like some some hot water as well, yeah. those that that water was fed in through a different system. It had to come in through a tank that was usually in the roof in order to get enough pressure. So mm -hmm. they were never coming off the main system together. Uh -huh. I see. Which has meant that they always needed to come in through two separate um, yeah. Uh, pipes. Yeah. It's the two different taps. Um, 
and I think you know in certain systems that has been changed, but yeah. but in in the majority it, it hasn't. Yeah. And and then when it comes to the the, the scorching water, that's <laughs> to do with um, Legionella disease apparently. Ah. Really? And um, that little bug, it's, if I think it starts to breed at about twenty degrees centigrade, right? And it, it's killed at sixty degrees centigrade, right? So the water is kept at sixty degrees centigrade in order to to um, vanquish these little Legionella bugs. Yeah. So. So it's actually it's actually yeah. much more hygienic than they realise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so it's interesting. That is that is interesting. That's that's a. Uh, that's the answer then, isn't it? That's that the, is. that's the solution. Yeah. So it's just purely a practical matter of, fact, really of plumbing. Practical. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and what I'll do is once we've finished the video, I'll send it to you, and yeah. um, and you'll you can you can yeah take a look for yourself. Okay. Um, because yeah, for us that was that was the main reason we actually wanted to understand why. You know, obviously mm. it's a it's a um, it's an issue among students, and that's interesting in itself. Yeah. From, from as you say, you know, for for British people, it just it seems utterly irrelevant. Yes. People don't understand, and so that it's just interesting from that perspective. But also, yeah, why? <laughs> um, so so hopefully we'll have answered that that question in the video. Yeah, I think I think it's a brilliant uh, project, and I'm so glad that someone else is. Uh, sort of taking an interest in this because because like I as I said I often speak to my friends about this um, you know I kind of, because I um, sometimes in my classes my students just sort of bring it up and we end up discussing it for ages because yeah. um, it's quite an interesting little point to discuss and then I with all this in my head I kind of go and see my friends and say why do we have two taps in the bathroom and they kind of just say shut up what are you talking about yeah. why why is this even an issue they just think that I'm weird yeah you know at that yeah. point so I'm kind of caught in the middle you found caught... some fellow weirdos yeah good good I'm very glad to, to hear it I'm very glad to hear it. great that. Luke thanks so much for your time I you're really welcome. appreciate it you're, you're very um, welcome the, oh, one final thing would you mind emailing me a picture of yourself yeah that's fine I I will do that. Um, right. I was actually trying to find a good picture of myself, um, <laughs> but I found one. I hope that the resolution is is high enough because um, uh, you'll let me know if, if the resolution isn't isn't high enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine, but, yeah. but I'll I'll give you a shout if it isn't. Okay. okay. Lovely. Okay. Thanks, Luke. Great, Karen. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Okay. Cheers. You too. Bye bye. So there you go. That was my conversation with Karen Robertson, and um, if you managed to follow that, you will have heard the answer. Okay. Uh, did you did you follow it? I wonder. Basically, it's an issue. It's, it's there are several reasons. Um, I can't spend too long on it. It's an issue of uh, development, the history of plumbing development in the UK. Something to do with water pressure, which means that the two uh, water pipes can't go together. Also, separate water supplies. The hot tank being up up at the top of the house and the cold tank being somewhere else and the temperature of the water is is high in the hot water tank as a way of uh, um, preventing certain bacteria from uh, being able to multiply in the hot water so the hot you might find the hot water in england in the hot water tap is boiling hot and it burns your hands that's because it has to be kept at about 60 degrees in order to prevent legionnaire's disease from developing so it's actually a hygienic reason right boom let's move on to the next one and we're already at about 45 minutes in this episode time flies doesn't it time flies when you're having fun and time flies when you're when you're recording and listening to luke's english podcast i hope um 
So let's move on to number two out of a list of about 22 things. I've got a funny feeling this is going to be two episodes. Um, why don't you have electrical sockets in the bathroom? Uh, how am I supposed to dry my hair after I've had a shower and look in the mirror at the same time? Right, so it seems that in some countries you have electrical sockets in the bathroom. Um, fine. In the UK, though, I'm afraid we... Uh, have decided that that's too dangerous and we don't like to combine electricity and and the, and the water that you might find in the bathroom because it could result in dangerous electric shocks if you can imagine some people who aren't you know sort of um, well informed might decide that they're going to dry their hair when they're standing on a wet floor it's dangerous isn't it so uh, because of that there's legislation in place, which means that whenever um, an electrician fits electrical sockets in a new house or even retrofits electrical sockets into an old house, the legislation says you can't fit uh, a socket on the wall in a bathroom because it's too dangerous. Um, so maybe at this point, if, you, if you're really thinking about it, you might decide, well, the English laws are ridiculous. They're a bit patronising. People should have the freedom to put sockets wherever they want. Well, I think actually it's probably a good thing because if the legislation wasn't there then you would end up with like um plug sockets in the bathroom and people who don't know any better would end up uh, electrocuting themselves and i think more accidents would happen so it's a safety measure it's a health and safety precaution right there you go so whether you agree with health and safety or not some people think that um, too much health and safety legislation is ridiculous and it ends up being like a, a, a limit on people's freedom. Some people believe that. I don't agree. I think health and safety legislation is a good thing because it's ultimately trying to protect people and prevent accidents. What's wrong with that? Um, so my judgment there is that the complaint is understandable because in some countries you might expect to be able to dry your hair in the bathroom. But uh, once you understand that it's a health and safety issue then sorry i'm not accepting the complaint it's rejected on that uh, in that in that case all right fine if you disagree leave a comment i'd love to hear from you um right next one number three the food is so plain and unhealthy so this is one of the most famous uh stereotypes about england that we have bad food and i could talk about this forever i won't now because um I'm trying to cover a lot of things in this episode, but uh, I could. I've got a friend actually here in France, an English friend who's uh, doing a, uh, a PhD into medieval uh, English recipes, and he's a bit of an expert on English food. So I hope to interview him. Anyway, why is English food so bad? Well, I, I don't agree. First of all, I think that uh, that's a myth. I think there's plenty of good food in England. It might be more difficult to find. I mean, if you go to France, let's say, or any many other places um you find lots of food readily available uh, i mean if you if you live in france then you're spoiled with good food to be honest with you the boulangeries and so on it's pretty rare they're better than in most places i think so it's not fair to judge britain on the standards of the french or the italians for example these cultures that have extremely you know advanced food cultures i don't know that's maybe not the right uh, uh, uh excuse but um 
there there is good food in england in fact there are many very very well rated restaurants in london with lots of michelin stars there are tons of great restaurants all over the country but nevertheless people still seem to perpetuate this idea that english food is bad maybe it's because um when they go to the uk they search for english food and they end up going to like a pub or something or they go to a place that's selling great british food now a lot of the classic english recipes the ones that uh, were developed or that come from england not from india or italy or china or something but genuinely traditional english recipes a lot of those things are based on working class recipes like traditional working class ones so these are the recipes of poor people who had limited access to ingredients who had to make food that would would uh, stay fresh for a long time or food that was portable food that people could take with them to work okay think about it we don't necessarily in england have the same access to a wide range of of ingredients because of our climate because of our soil nowadays we do because we can import it from you know other places but back in the old days um food you know a wide range of ingredients was not available to people and a lot of people uh, were poor and a lot of the recipes that we know and love are basically working class ones okay so um that may account for things like why we have lots of pies people would put uh ingredients into pies because it meant that the food would be uh, easier to keep it would be easier to store if you put your meat into a pie then the pie is easier to store you can keep it fairly fresh if it's contained within a pie also pasties from uh, the cornwall area this is basically portable food you take some ingredients some meat some veg just whatever you've got available you stick it all together into a pasty you wrap it up in pastry and then people can take it with them when they go to work um when they go to work down down the mines and stuff um let's see food often in england is is specific to local regions and naturally people are very proud of their local culture and so they celebrate the food even though this food is based on old traditional working class recipes that uh, were mainly sort of practical approaches to dealing with food uh um when um the food uh, available ingredients available was limited because of the climate or because of the amount of money that the people had okay so uh, the, obviously there were rich people in the uk royalty and so on and they had food too but it's pretty exclusive stuff and it's very expensive so a lot of our super good food is is um um difficult to find because it's in like super exclusive and expensive restaurants um in fact really really top quality english food is just as good as the best french food in fact um and everyone you know all the top chefs they all know it they'll know that it's true it's just that it's a little bit harder to find a lot of food is cooked privately at home it's home cooking um and maybe we just have a culture of cooking our food at home rather than uh presenting our our english food in restaurants so it's a lot of a lot of good food is cooked at home come to my parents house come to my mum's house and try her cooking and then tell me that you don't think english food is good all right english food is great especially at my mum's house um um also english food now is multicultural we've been very international for many years in the uk so english food uh, uh 
reflects this international uh, culture that we have so a lot of our food is indian it's chinese it's we have italian food french food so you know we eat your food thanks very much um you know we don't have to we're not um closed off to food from around the world we're quite happy to bring in all of your delicious food too so there you go um i think it was john cleese the comedian john cleese who who once was asked on a tv show why why do you have such bad food in england and he said well you know okay english food might be bad but that's just because we were too busy taking over the world to focus on our cooking um right number four uh, the weather is miserable. It's always raining. Okay. Why is British weather so bad? Well, it's not really that bad. Again, um, it's just changeable. That's ma- that's the main thing. It's not really dangerously bad. It's not like, um, it's it's not life-threateningly bad. It just changes a lot. And we don't have those days, days and days and days or weeks and weeks and weeks of beautiful, clear blue sunshine. We get changing weather. All right. Um, So it's a question of geography, really. We're far north of the hemisphere. And that's just that's just what happens up here. We're up we're you know, sort of stuck out on the edge of mainland Europe with the Atlantic Ocean on one side. And so naturally, we get, you know, all kinds of weather systems rolling up across uh, rolling up um, continental Europe. And so we get just lots of changing weather systems at that specific point part of the world all right so that's just what happens if you come up north to the uk you've got to expect to have a bit of weather the climate's going to be different you just have to deal with it all right also it doesn't really get foggy in london like the stereotype you know fog fog is like a a cloud on the ground you know you know those old images of london where it's all foggy everywhere and you can't see anything and and so on well it doesn't really get foggy like that in london anymore that's just a stereotype it's an old myth um we obviously had the industrial revolution in the past which brought lots of smoke from all the factories um this is back in the victorian times um and all this smoke from factories and houses combined with the with the fog um you know with uh, fog from the river the natural um mist or evaporated water from the river thames and the result of this combination was just um old victorian smog right smog that smoke and fog combined so back in the in, in uh, during the industrial revolution or during victorian times london was a very polluted place lots of factories pumping out smoke and that created lots of fog so it wasn't really Uh, Sorry, that created lots of smog. So it wasn't really fog, let's say. It was more just polluted air. Since then, we've cleaned up our air and it's not really foggy in London anymore. Um, So the weather's not that bad. It's just a bit grey and a bit chilly. It can be dark and cold during the winter. Um, But there are positive sides to having fairly frequent rain showers. It means that the country is very green. The countryside is full of greenery. It's very lush. Um, And, you know, it's the same in other places. The weather in Paris, for example, is pretty much the same. Uh, So there you go. By the way, I've included some links to other websites um, on the webpage for this episode. So you can click those links and find out some more detailed answers. Uh, Number five, why on earth do you drive on the left It's like you have to do everything differently here. Well, why do Brits drive on the left? Well, we're not that stupid, actually. 
Um, we've been doing it for centuries. Um, ever since it was normal to ride on the left when you were riding a horse as a way of staying safe. Because if you think about it, right, back in the, uh, back in the days before the, the, the motor car, people rode horses around. And if you are riding your horse through the countryside or through different parts of the country, um, naturally you're going to want to ride on the left so that you can defend yourself from other people coming uh, down the road towards you. So that means you naturally, you, you ride on the left so you can hold your sword in your right hand. Okay, if you're riding on the other side, it's harder to defend yourself with your left hand unless you're left handed. And so most people rode on the left. And so that just became the natural order. People rode on the left so they could defend themselves with their right hands. Um, and naturally that carried through all the way to the motor car being introduced. And so naturally people drove on the left too. In fact, I don't really understand why all of you people drive on the right. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Why are you driving on the right? Um, just remember, okay, remember left is right and right is just wrong, okay? Also, it's not just us. Plenty of other people do it too, including India, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and large parts of Africa. So it's not just the English, okay? It's not like we're just the only ones who are doing it. Sure, most of the world drives on the right, and it would be it would be pretty hard for us to switch over to the right, wouldn't it? I mean, how would we do it? Actually, saying that, our government is considering introducing a new law so that we will all drive on the right. That's right. They're going to phase it in over a five-year period. First, it'll just apply to buses and then cars and then finally motorbikes. Those last two sentences were a joke. Um, well done if you noticed. Uh, right, let's move on to number six. The trains are always late and when they arrive, they're full and I can't get on. Right, well, this is a... Why, is... Why are the trains late? Well, okay... Um, it seems that in the UK, we do have some problems with our trains. First of all, uh, if you've tried to book a ticket from London to another city, you'll notice that the prices are ridiculously expensive. They're really expensive. Sometimes it costs more to travel across the country than it does to travel from London to Paris. It can, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's an absolute ripoff. It's a disgrace, the, the cost of train tickets in, in England. It really is. And also the service is a little bit unreliable. It's a bit better these days, but um, British trains have had a reputation for being a little bit unreliable. Why? What's, what's the reason? Um, this is the result of a combination of one bad decision by the government back in the 1970s, I believe, um, privatisation as... Um, uh, initiated by Margaret Thatcher during the 80s and uh, for the example of the London Underground a very powerful workers union for the tube okay so um, let me see I'm going to need to go to the the relevant website for this answer so I'm just doing that now um, what the hell is wrong with British trains so okay 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 um, let's see essentially it's a question of um, investment at the right time. Okay, there was a point where many other countries in Europe chose to get high speed rail lines. And in Britain, we didn't go for it. So it was one mistake by a Labour government. They decided that they weren't 
prepared to spend a lot of money upgrading the 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 train network why why didn't they do it? it well it was a bad decision okay they should have um upgraded the 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 uh train tracks uh when they had the opportunity back in i think it was back in the 1970s instead they didn't they decided that they would um just try and adapt to the 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 train tracks that already existed so um now this means that um it's it's impossible to get high speed rail links on the british train system because the train tracks are not the right size um th- this is being changed and at the moment there's a big project called crossrail um which uh, is going to me- remedy this situation they are uh, introducing uh high speed rail um and that that's going to that's going to be um introduced in the next few years um so yeah point taken it is expensive and the trains are not very good because ultimately back in the back in the uh, in the 70s certain investments were not made certain bad decisions were made which meant that uh, the trains were not as good as they they should have been for example not as good as the french trains um the question of the London Underground, why is it so expensive? That's just because the union who uh, controls the underground um, is very good at negotiating and they've managed to um, um, justify ri- raising the prices uh, to the point where we're now paying a lot of money for, for tickets um, on, the, on the underground. Um, the, the, the underground is run by a number of different companies and they're all kind of um syndicated together in a union and every now and then that union calls a strike and when they have a strike that means that the underground network stops and basically london just falls apart it's just total chaos when there's a tube strike people can't get to work the streets are crowded there's there are no taxis buses are full it's an absolute nightmare and so really um london relies on the tube the tube is like the lifeblood of of london and so if the tube doesn't run if the union decides to call a strike then london is screwed and so this is this is how th- this position has allowed them to you know let the that it's allowed them to push up the prices because we've got no choice really we have to just go with it um i suppose this is because the tube system is is privatized you know it's owned by private companies who um manage to push up the prices even though um most people don't like it if it was nationalized uh, i imagine the government would try and ca- put a cap on the prices but it's not margaret thatcher in the 1980s privatized british rail and so we don't have a nationalized rail network we have lots of competing companies that own different uh, train lines and things and so they because their main aim is profit um i mean they say that com- competitivity or competition helps to raise standards but ultimately these companies just care about making money and so they will do whatever they can do to just get as much money out of us as they can and the quality of the service really is is uh, a kind of side effect of that um so it means that the train companies have managed to just cleverly and um yeah, they've just cleverly managed to raise the prices bit by bit. And there's not really that much we can do about it because we need the trains. So, okay, point taken. 
I accept that criticism. I think that the trains are too expensive and that the um, situation is a little bit out of hand and that the government should have made different decisions. They should have made sure that uh, the right um, train track systems were introduced at the right time. Um, Otherwise, um, well, if it wasn't, if they had made that decision correctly, then nowadays we would be... um, we wouldn't be suffering from such a complicated train system. Um, Number seven, I think this is probably going to be the last one I can do for this episode, and it's a big one. Number seven is, why are there so many foreigners here? I haven't met a real English person yet. Right, why are there so many foreigners here? Oh, the irony. You won't make many British friends with that attitude, except for maybe UKIP or BNP members, but they might not want to be friends with you in return. Generally... We're a proudly multicultural place. Also, London is much more multicultural than other parts of the UK, so it's not really an accurate representation of the country as a whole. Take a good look around before making a sweeping judgment, is what I would say. Also, this is partly due to Britain's past. The fact that we've got a very multicultural uh, capital city um, is due to Britain's international past. Uh, At one time, the British Empire spanned the globe. We've had interests and dealings with many foreign countries for many years. So we are tied to plenty of foreign countries in rather complex ways. This is reflected in the fact that we have a multicultural population. Many people have come from our former colonies. Some were invited after the war. Also, lots of people just want to come to the UK because there are plenty of opportunities here. And why should they be stopped? It's quite hypocritical to complain about the number of foreigners in London when you're a foreigner, even if you're just visiting for a while, isn't it? So London has an appeal for many people and for many different reasons. It always strikes me as ironic when a foreign visitor turns their nose up at London saying, there are too many foreigners here. What did they expect? Diversity is an integral part of London's history and identity. Do they really expect some kind of Hollywood stereotype of London in which businessmen with top hats wander around empty streets like it's the 1950s saying, good morning, with received pronunciation accents? Wake up and smell the coffee. That's what I would like to say to people who complain about uh, multiculturalism in London. Welcome to the real world in the 21st century. Multiculturalism may not be normal where you're from, but London is a proudly diverse place. Um, Regarding immigration, some people in Britain believe it has gone too far and maybe they have a case and the local culture is somehow being swamped, or maybe they're just using immigration as a scapegoat for other problems. Whatever the case, personally, I find it very disappointing to hear students or anyone complaining about London's diversity. The bit about, I haven't met a real English person yet. Well, first of all, what is a real English person? Also, if you walk around with that kind of attitude, you're unlikely to make any good friends with Londoners, except perhaps supporters of the UK Independence Party. Um, Right, so there we are. I'm ending this episode on a slightly serious note there. I hope that I'm getting through to you. Am I? Does this make sense to you? Do you you understand what I'm talking about? Um, It's difficult when you're not there in front of me. I've had conversations about these subjects many many times uh with my students you know these are 
these are topics that are great for discussions in class in London and my students in, in London have always had many, many things to say. So it's rather hard for me on my own to, to just talk about it like this in a, in a monologue. What I'd love to do is be able to talk to you and listen to your opinions and respond to what you have to say. It's much easier to do it like that. Instead, I'm just kind of all on my own trying to construct a monologue on this subject. And it's a very complicated uh, series of things. I'm going to keep going, though. And after I've finished this episode, I will um, just immediately record another one in which I deal with all the other issues I haven't mentioned yet. OK. All right. Good. Um, so I've got about... A minute before uh, my jingle begins so let's see if I can just play a bit of guitar for you before the jingle all right you might you probably expect me to sing but I'm not going to sing okay I might just talk to you briefly I hope you got a bit more of an insight into some of those things in London You might not be going to the city or you, you may never have been there, but now at least you'll know like a little bit more, which should prevent you from making some of those sort of snap judgments, which can then form the basis of sort of ill-informed opinions. Because I want people to be able to see the bigger picture. You know, that's important. I think in any situation, it's always important to step back and think there's a perfectly good reason for all of this. OK, there's a perfectly good reason for why uh, Luke's guitar is slightly out of tune. It's probably because the guitar has been sitting in the window with lots of sunlight on it and I haven't been playing it as often as I should be. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Slightly weird ending there with a um, kind of incomplete bit of guitar playing. But, um, you know, I'm an English teacher. I'm not a professional musician. So you get what you pay for. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Speak to you very soon. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.